All righty. Well, good afternoon, folks. How are y'all doing today? It's a very hot day today in Texas. Pastor, is it hot out there or what? Yes, it's, it's definitely hot. <laughs> Be glad when this summer's over. So if you come over here, you see some, some of us wearing shorts or what have you, have mercy because it is hot out there. Okay. My, my oldest daughter came and gave me good news. It's not for anybody that's in the east from, uh, from Austin, but... Mm -hmm. uh, she said it's moving east, and that was the best news I heard. So if you're living east of Austin, I'm sorry. Anyway. Uh, it's coming for you. <laughs> anyway, all righty. Well, good afternoon. This is uh, We're here with the Foundations Podcast, our weekly uh, podcast that we do. And, uh, uh, Pastor, you know, the thing is, I was thinking, there's a lot of podcasts out there. Uh, one guy sitting in there, uh, you know, they're, 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 he may be showing some news or dealing with one topic or whatever, and a lot of them, they're sitting there and they're, well, they're cussing and stuff, but anyway, you don't want to deal with that. But from our standpoint with our podcast, what are we trying to accomplish, really? I mean, what are we doing here? I, a lot of the stuff, is it the, I, it's different. We're, we're different, but we still have a, a touch of podcast. In, in us because we're actually dealing with the Word of God. Well, I mean, you know, while we, what's different about us and some podcasts, because some of them do the same thing we're doing, we're dealing with, uh, you know, current events, mm -hmm. but we're looking at it through the lens of a biblical worldview. Yeah. And so everything we do is, uh, you know, using the Bible as a guide. Mm -hmm. In the sense, it's the final authority uh, on how we look at the world, how we deal with events, and uh, and, uh, and and anyway, so that that's sort of what we're doing. And, and then our our mission is to provide believers, whether they're new believers or they're they've been you know a believer for a long time, mm -hmm. with a a foundation that is solid, yes, so that they'll know how to deal with the things that go on in life. You know, and I, I was uh, just earlier today, of course, I was rolling over one of the report and I was writing the scripts and all that for that. And I'm still here thinking, you know, there are so many Christians that, well, first of all, they don't know the Bible, okay, uh, or they're not reading it as, as a, on a regular thing, or, um, or they try to make their own philosophy about what and think that it's spiritual in other words they hear a little piece here a little piece there and they really don't know the true word they don't know exactly and I, I think what we you know yeah I agree what we're trying to do is we're trying to get down into the Bible so that you can have a very solid foundation and know exactly what it says not guess and, you know, and, um, you know, I think we're blessed because we have so much of the Word of God. We have study tools. We have the Greek language that we can look into or the Hebrew and all that we can access. But, I mean, many, many years ago, they didn't have that. They had to rely on a priest uh, to tell them what the Bible meant or what it was yeah, saying. If you were living anywhere between the 5th century and the 16th century, um that's what you were looking at. I mean, if you didn't speak Latin, uh, yeah. you were out of luck. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, people just didn't. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around this concept that, you know, up until just really 100 years ago, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of people just did not have a Bible. No. I mean, well, you could go back to the printing press. You know, that's, uh, you know, we're talking about 16th century there. Yeah. That's where things begin to change. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so, but so if you're living, like, say, in the 10th century or the 12th, um, you don't have a Bible. No. I mean, it, it, you, it, it, it's hard for us to think it in terms of that. Yeah. And, and what I've I, I reflected on this, we've reflected on it, is that we have more access. And, I, and this is anyone in the, in the world. I mean, I have a Bible app on my, uh, mm-hmm. on my phone, and, and it don't matter what language you use. It's amazing you can access it yeah. uh, in your language. And, and there's really no excuse for people not to know the Word of God. There, there isn't, but still... They don't read it, but still they 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 would rather have somebody else, or they tune into somebody on YouTube and let them tell you what the Word of God says. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and to be all fair about it, if you're tuning into this this uh, this podcast today, and you're relying on it to give you an understanding of God's Word, while we may appreciate you watching us, yes. We are not a supplement. Well, by the way, we are a supplement. We are not the whole of what you should have as Bible knowledge. And yeah. we're hoping to point you uh, to situations. Uh, before we get into this, I, I just real briefly, I talked to uh, you about this last night at church. Okay. And uh, and this is going to play a part anyway in, mm-hmm. in what we're going to talk about. I had a gentleman that came by the church uh, yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. A very pleasant gentleman. Okay. Um, a very learned, learned uh, individual. He had a seminary. We had a doctor in front of his name. Oh, nice. And uh, anyway, and uh, and very, very pleasant. I, I consider him a believer. I, my spirit bore witness with him. Yeah. What he was talking about. I believe he has faith in God, and he had been pretty high up in his organization. I won't talk about what organization it was, but it is a Christian evangelical solid organization. Okay. And he's retired now, and, and he's moved in this area. In fact, he may end up showing up to the church here uh, this Sunday. Or, or <laughs> yeah. uh, We are not his persuasion. Uh, he was not, I mean, we are an Assembly of God church, and uh, so that is a Pentecostal church, if you're not sure what that means. And uh, but, uh, but, but he was very open to he made it very clear. He's very open to, um, you know, uh, you know, divine healing, praying for the sick, uh, speaking in tongues. Did he? That didn't bother him. And considering what organization he came from, I thought that's pretty interesting. Uh, in other words, he was open-minded because yeah. he was looking at God's word. He saw validity in these things. Mm-hmm. And in uh, any way, and I ended up sharing with him a dream, and I'm not going to share the dream here online. That's other point. Uh, but in my dream, you know, I heard the the Lord speak to me one word in the dream, and that was our sin of coitus. And uh, and I had the dream two times, and mm-hmm. and and I shared with him what you know how that applied to what I was talking about. And if you're curious what that word, that is the word generally. You know, it's translated uh, tra- homosexual. for homosexual. Well, it, you know, it's translated homosexual in, in two places in the New Testament. Yeah, First uh, Corinthians six and First Timothy one. But 
And uh, and we know where Paul is. He coined the term. We've talked about some of these things on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, knowing that he had a doctorate level of theology and Bible, I assume that he was familiar with the, okay. with the term. Sure. You know. And, uh, but, uh, but he then proceeded to uh, ask me how, well, how would you deal with this? How would you, in relation to homosexuality. And by the way, he made it very, very clear that he believed that was sinful. And he wasn't. He just wanted to know where I was coming from. Yeah. He wanted to know where we thought out enough to deal with it, not just spit out some yeah. weak words and, 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 and you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so we had a very pleasant, in fact, he even delayed a, a meeting because he just really wanted to deal with that, not the issue of homosexuality, but the nature of sin and how do we deal with people, whether they're living in the fifth century or they're living right now. You know, how do you think that, that, that there's a lot of people out there like that? That really, they're, they're wondering, well, how do, how do I deal with this? Yeah, and of course, like I, I talked to him, I, I told him, well, you know, if, if you're dealing with someone who, because one of the questions he's, well, how do you deal with someone who said, well, I was just born this way, this is a hormonal issue, so it doesn't matter whether I live in the 5th century or I live in 2023, it doesn't matter, because we've had these problems since time began. Yeah. Okay, so that that's fair. And I said, well, I, you know, and so I talked to him about, you know, how that we resist these things, mm-hmm. we renew our mind with scripture, if we're a believer, and we're, you know, because people are claiming that, well, I could be homosexual, and I could be a Christian, or, you know, yeah, that, that type of thing. And, 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 and so how do you deal with that? I said, well, you deal with it as you would any other affection that you would have, any kind of a attraction or a drawing. I said, what if a man looked at a woman, and it's not his wife, and he said these lustful thoughts toward her, what should he do? Should he sanctify that and say, well, this is how God made me? I was just born that way. And I used the illustration, yeah. what if a guy just decided he liked six-year-old boys? Is that okay if he says, well, or he made this? Yeah. I said, well, you know, if, if society decides yeah. to agree with that, he'll go to prison one day and they'll explain to him why you don't do that. Yeah, quite. Yeah, so, you know, and he <laughs> yeah. thought that was funny. And I said, the, you know, so the bottom line is, I said, look, what defines sin is what did God's law say? Paul said first. Timothy 1, he said the law is good if it's used lawfully. Mm-hmm. And he said the law is not for a righteous man, but it's for an unrighteous, unrighteous man. man. And so how does the law play a part <clears throat> in our life? And we say the law, I'm talking about the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, the law that's reiterated as the moral law in, uh, in uh, through Genesis through uh, Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. How would we how would we use that in the preaching of the gospel? Well, the law identifies sin. It tells us what sin is. Yes. We would never have known sin, Paul said, if it wasn't for the law. And uh, and so the law also does another thing. It points to the fact that I need a Savior. Yes, it does. That's where Jesus comes in. Yeah. I need a Savior because I can't we save cannot, We cannot, within our own abilities, we cannot stay perfect with the law. Yeah, and I said, so, you know, God is the one who defines what sin is. And yeah. I said, so whether we're talking about 
homosexuality, we're talking about adultery, whether we're talking about covetousness, mm -hmm. whether we're talking about drunkenness, it doesn't matter what list we want to look at what Paul used when he said these words in First uh, uh, Corinthians 6, verse 11, he said, and such were some of you. Yes. Yeah, in other words, how Paul had to have preached on that list to the Corinthians. Yeah. People received Christ. Their nature was changed. And then he's writing this letter to define what we don't do because the people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. God. Okay, so, uh, and so anyway, and when it was, the, when, when the conversation, it, it ended very well. Mm -hmm. And he, he seemed very happy to have talked to me. And, and, and I, I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like I passed a test. <laughs> you know, I mean, because I'm, I'm just telling you some highlights. Hey, it that, never comes back. We, we had well an over an hour over an hour conversation, and it was fascinating. That's good. And, uh, That's awesome. and you know, and, uh, and and I was talking to someone that's very educated in the sense of I, the Word of God, you know, the, having a, a biblical foundation, a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. And really, what I, and I, when it was all over with, I thought, yeah, he was just trying to, he just wanted to know that we had a well thought out, way of dealing with people. Well, and the thing is, is that they're checking, I would say that you're checking to see if I'm going to think about even attending this church, are he, is he grounded? Are you grounded in the yeah. Word of God? Is this solid teaching? Yeah, because that was one thing, how can we know sin? Yeah. I mean, he asked them, how, could, how would you explain that to people? Yeah. And I mean, I know he knows what sin is. Uh -huh. I mean, because he wasn't asking it like I don't know. He wanted to hear my response to yeah. it. And I think what he was trying to do is he was trying to see if he could stump me, not to be mean, yeah, but just to see if he could draw a blank. Well, they're they're and uh, we've gotten into conversations <laughs> like that before. You know, one thing, and we're going to be turning to our subject matter here in just a couple of minutes. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I was I was bringing out, I was going through some of my material earlier today, and the fact of the matter is, folks. Do we realize, do we understand that certain things that we're talking about here are senicoitis, um, the, uh, the homosexual, the trans, things that we are seeing in our day and age? As Christians, if we allow them, if we him and ha about it, if we say, oh, it's okay, or, well, we need to be progressive in our church, or what have you, if we allow it. And if we do not, like you, you said so many times, Pastor, if we do not speak truth to lies, if we're not speaking the truth and telling them, even though it may be uncomfortable and it may be, it may be rough dealing with people, the fact of the matter is we are contributing, and the way I think I put it earlier, we are contributing to their journey to hell. Well, the way I put it, uh How, how can we say this? This isn't even an issue of homosexuality by itself. Mm. Uh, this is anything in Leviticus 19 or 18, what we call the law. So whether we were talking about incest, whether we were talking about um, you know, Moloch worship, 
sacrificing your children. The this uh, modern version of that, mm -hmm. abortion. Um, you know, whether we're talking about that, whether we're talking about just purely sexual sin in the sense of two people, the opposite sex, a man and a woman, adulterous fornication, mm -hmm. uh, living in open, you know, sin like that, or we're talking about bestiality or homosexuality. Um, these are issues of, you know, if, if you have, most, oh, let's just put it this way, uh, I, I'm not going to say most Christians because that's not the truth. Many Christians have a, a biblical worldview, even if they couldn't explain it, Yeah. And, and of morality. And so, you know, a lot of Christians that I talk to, I mean, if I ask them, hey, do you think that it's wrong for a man to have sex outside of marriage, they're going to say, no, that would be wrong. Yeah. They may not be able to point to the verse and say why, but, but they, they... For the most part, they... They've heard preaching. They maybe read their Bible casually, and so, yeah. yeah. You know, there's, I think they there a commandment they'll say, you know, it says you're not supposed to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we kind of get that ideal. Yeah. Uh, when you get to homosexuality, because it's something a lot of older Christians did not grow up because this wasn't a problem. No. Uh, not like it is today. Just not a well-thought-out... But they still normally come up with, well, you know, that, yeah, that's not right. Yeah. And uh, so the issue isn't whether I say it's right or wrong according to what God said. The issue is posture. And the posture that I see in so many people's lives are wrong. And let me give mm -hmm. you an illustration on me. <sighs> Let's say that with your mouth, whether it's from the pulpit, you're a preacher, yeah. Or let's say that you are a leader in the church and and you uh, affirm what God says about sexual sin and, and let's just use homosexuality because it is a big thing right now. A lot of churches are affirming this. But let's just say you don't affirm it. Let's just say you stick with the biblical worldview of it and say, you know what, this is sinful, it's wrong, it's outside of God's creative order. And, uh, and it's sinful. And those who practice this, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You, so and that, that would be a biblical worldview, okay? Yeah. And that would apply to a lot of things, but we're just going to talk about that. Yeah. Because this is a problem with people. And when it becomes a problem, it's like, say like you are a, um, I can't even think of the guys right now. I think his last name is, oh, no, Tony Campolo. Campolo, oh, yeah. Campolo. Uh, mm -hmm. Solid. Evangelical minister, very, very well trained. Uh, I don't know if he has a doctorate degree, but he certainly has a master's. Yeah, he's not an uneducated man no, of the world. Okay, um, yet his son ended up coming out yeah. homosexual, and when he did, I you know I don't know what pain he went through. No, of course. You know I don't know. It had to be hard. He changed his theology. He changed his theology. Yeah. He decided that God was good with this. Now, he's going to be eloquent about it. He wrote a book about it. Now, I know that as I found it in the bookstore growing up a little bit on him when I was in Bible college. I remember hearing him and stuff like that. And just solid biblical guy. And, mm -hmm. and so when I read these top ten things that we... Um, we believe about the Bible that aren't true, and I think, well, this ought to be interesting. Yeah. 
And then I read The Continents, of course, the one on the issue of homosexuality, and I read that, and oh, wow, what an eye-opener. That was, oh, that's almost 20 years ago. Or it is 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, that shocked me because I remembered the, you know, that's wrong, it's sinful, it's a posture. See, that, that one, he changed his theology. A lot of people don't change their theology, but they change their posture. And so I've heard these are the, the statements I hear from Christians. And they say, well, we, we, you know, I know it's wrong. Two women being married, posture is, that's not biblical. Well, it, it, not only well, is think it not about, biblical, think, it's confusing. Think about Phineas. Yeah. I mean, you're married to a man. Yeah. I, I can't fellowship with you. you can't, I'm calling you to repentance as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because if you don't, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God because it's what God said. Yeah. yeah. And I would rather you feel my rejection mm -hmm. and hopefully somehow with my consistency, every time I look at you and I say, hey, are you still involved with this? Yeah. And they say, yeah. And no matter how it comes out, I'm calling you to repentance. Yeah. I'm calling you to the Lord, submission to the Lordship. Jesus Christ. And, there, and it would be hard. It's hard on people. It is. It, I mean, it's but close. Here's, it's but right here's the point. Family. Do we want them to have our acceptance yeah. and feel no sting of conviction or rejection from us and then stand before a holy God yeah. and feel his rejection and find themselves in a lake of fire? Yeah. So when I'm talking about posture, we have to look at it from a perspective. Yes, it's uncomfortable for us. And that's really the issue when people say, well, we don't want to cut them off. No, we don't want to lose a relationship. And I understand that. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the thing I have noticed is everyone who has done that other side where you're going to keep them close and have them over causes confusion in families, causes confusion in church, causes confusion everywhere, and these people never repent. No, they don't. I've not seen one. I've seen it when it's the other way around, but yeah. I have not seen it this way. And I think the posture is wrong. And, you know, when we're going to get into these signs of end times, yeah. the reason I think this was a, a, something that we really do need to talk about is because Jesus made a statement and something we're going to read in a context in a minute. And um, and this is what he said. He said many, uh, this is Matthew 24, verse 11. He said many false prophets will arise and mislead or deceive many. Mm-hmm. Because lawlessness is increased. Notice that word lawlessness. What is lawlessness? It's everything that, it, that is opposed to what God said in his law. Yes. That's why it's called lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Lawlessness, because lawlessness is increased, most people, their love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end he will be saved, yeah. and, and so this we're we're living in a, in a time where lawlessness has increased. Yes, and uh, and and you know the downward spiral from a moral standpoint all over the world mm -hmm. has just like it's like on steroids. Mm -hmm. It seems like somewhere around 2020, uh, you could 
probably go back a little further than that. You, the 60s we saw a lot. Yeah. But it's like when we hit 2020, to right now we are where? June the, what's the 29th? 29th. Uh, yeah. You know, 2023, the last three years, almost four now, it's like we have taken a steep dive. It has increased. Yes. I mean, I'm seeing things now that I thought I would never see. It's you, you could not even have imagined them no. when you were growing up or whatever, even... I'm, I'm just thinking back to the 70s or when I became a Christian and through the 80s and all that. And we were in college. I mean, yeah, there was... the. Uh, you would see a little bit of here, uh, hear about the homosexuality and stuff. We went up to San Francisco, saw, uh, my, my wife, <laughs> she saw two uh, women holding hands the very first time she had ever seen anything like that. And uh, But at the same time, it was very sparse. Yeah, it was here and there. It, it, you know, and, and when you thought when you thought term, if I were to use the the Greek word pornia, and and you know, we would have talked about it say the eighties when I was in college, and we we weren't really talking about this because we weren't seeing it in the world. Yeah, we were talking about it in terms of you know a, a, a man and a woman, and you know the sexual nature of outside of marriage and that. And generally, I remember pastoring in the late eighties. And then the early nineties—that's what you were dealing with. I, yeah. mean, I mean, that's—I mean, that, normally the people I came in contact with, with were people that say, "Hey, look, I'm not—we're not really married. I know we have some kids together, and, and they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit." Yeah. You don't know because we don't check people's uh, marriage license at the door. Double, double. And uh, and so you know, but but you know, through the ministry of the Word, the. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord's dealing with people, and they come, and they're like, "Man, we just feel bad." And pastor, well, there's conviction. They're feeling you know, the conviction you know, of God. Them, you know, hey, look, you need to get married. Uh, yeah. you, know, you love each other, right? You got yeah. some kids together. Yeah, let's let's just take care of this right now. Mm -hmm. Go get a license, and we'll just, we'll just take care of this. And yeah. you know, and I never met anybody in that moment that didn't want to. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they would have told me anything different, then I, you know, I'd say, "Y'all gonna just have to." Yeah. Cut it off, you know. And that, yeah, and that would be horrible, especially if you brought children in the world. Yeah, so, but, um, but 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 you know, but like I said, you know, those were things, and and, and like I, said, I, I remember a, a guy called me on a telephone one time. This would have been like in the very early nineties. I mean, like ninety three, four. He's all bugged out, and I. There may be children watching, so we got to be careful with this. Yeah. There's things going on with his mother. Okay. This is not his mother-in-law. This is not his stepmother. This is the one who gave birth to him, mother. And there are some things going on there. And I could tell that this had disturbed him. And I, I told him, he was 17 years old. Yeah. And I said, do you have relatives that you can go to? He said, well, yeah. I said, you, you, know, you have a car right now. I said, you need to hang this phone up with me. You need to get out of that situation. You need to get out now. I said, because if you continue to go into this situation anymore, because I, well, without, I'm not going to. Anyway, if you go a step further than what you've already went, if you think you're confused and messed up in your head right now, I, I tell you straight up, you'll be thoroughly demonized. Yeah. 
Yeah. At that point, and you'll have more problems than you know what to do with. Yeah. I said, get out get of that situation and get out now. And I don't know if that he never did. He never called me back. He didn't identify. This is before the days of caller ID and all that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I, you know, it, it, you know, I, I mean, so, you know, that was bizarre for me. I, you know, I've yeah. not seen anything with incestual. I mean, I know these things are going on, but I mean, not, yeah. hadn't touched me. What we're seeing today with lawlessness increasing, Jesus said it would happen in these last days. Yes. And we are living in that world today. Yes, we are. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's get into, now we've talked about that. I think that some of this stuff, I don't know, sometimes God just wants this discussion to go on. We have a subject matter we're going to go for the next, for the second half of the show. And uh, we, we've been, like last week, we talked about all the different theories when it comes to the end times, when it comes to the... Uh, um, a, a millennial and post millennial and all that we dealt with a lot of that, which is which is good. And then we're talking about theories about when the rapture is going to happen and all that. Now today, what we're going to begin doing today is what I, I, I call set, or, uh, setting the stage, and we're going to deal with, with Matthew chapter twenty four. So I would encourage you if you have a Bible. Go get Matthew 24 so you can walk with us through this. Uh, this, is, this is a teaching session. We're trying to bring this out so that we can bring clarity to the Word of God so you and for, we all can understand this. Um, we encourage you. We're not going to hit every point here, so you need to make sure that you read it. Um, but anyway, let's begin. And Matthew 24 is... How do I put this? It's one of the most popular verses that G, or, uh, segments of Scripture talking about when Jesus was talking about the end times. Bottom line. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about eschatology, I mean, uh, if if you're going to say in the New Testament, mm -hmm. this is an important chapter. And by the way, whether you're premillennial or all millennial. Whether you're premillennial and you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, a mid-tribulation rapture, or whatever that partial thing is, which I cannot wrap my mind around, uh, or a post-tribulation rapture, everybody, all millennial, premillennial, and uh, everyone's looking at these verses. Mm -hmm. And yes, uh, so, the, so what you know, what we're going to try to do is really just look at 14 verses. We may look at more, but. Um, you have to be able to to read this and just pretend that you're not premillennial or millennial. Yeah. Try yeah. to just let the text speak. Yes. And uh, and I am premillennial. We we we, we yes. are pre-tribulation yeah. rapture uh, mm -hmm. in our belief or theology. We're not at it on you know, dogmatic. I mean, Jesus is going to come back when he comes back. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's just what we. We believe the scripture's teaching. Yeah. Uh, so when we look at this chapter 24, um, if you're going to apply uh, a proper context to it, or the word hermeneutics, it does become fascinating. It does. But but if you apply proper hermeneutics, there are some characteristics in this whole chapter that will make you pause. And what I mean by that is, 
you'll begin to realize this is not as clear as people want to make it yeah. out to be. There are some things that are clear, mm -hmm. but there's a but if you're gonna use a timeline, wow, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gee, okay, so let's I tell you what, let's take the first two be, uh, chapters because I think you can speak to history faster. The first two verses, sorry. Starting in, let me just read it real quick here. This is the first two uh, verses. It said in uh, Matthew 24 again. Then Jesus went out, and I'm reading from the New King James, by the way. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. They're showing him all the buildings. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, I want to pause here because Jesus, I believe, and we were talking a little bit about this, was he not speaking to an event that happened in history? Yes, and in fact, uh, this is prophetical, what Jesus was saying, because roughly about 40 years from this moment, uh, an important date in history... Mm -hmm. Is AD seventy, AD and 70. that's when Titus, the the, the general, comes through. Uh, there's some issues that were going on in Israel and, and especially Jerusalem. And what does he do? He knocks the wall down, comes in. He well, say he destroyed the temple. He burned it. Yeah, he burned it to the ground. I mean, they knocked it down. It was over. And, uh, and a lot of Christians of that day that remembered what Jesus said 40 years earlier, mm -hmm. when they saw the Roman legion come in, they remembered what was said here. Yes. And uh, they left the city oh, yeah. and got out. And then actually a lot of people's lives were saved because, hey, listening to what God said can save your life. Yeah, right. they got out of there. And so, yeah, there is a, a prophetic, uh, 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 you know, event right here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and, uh, and by the way, this is what poses the question that we get our teaching from mm -hmm. is because in the next verse, uh, as he was uh, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. So we're talking about the twelve. Yes. Um, and they said, uh, tell us when will these things happen? Well, when is this temple going to be destroyed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then the second question, what will be the sign of your coming? And then the third question, and of the end of the age. And so really, there's three questions that are being asked. When is the temple going to be destroyed? When are you going to come back? When are you coming? Um... And then what is the sign of the end of the age? The end of the age. Yes. Okay. So they're asking him. They, they want to know. So he's, you know, I mean, there's not, not much to try to uh, <clears throat> interpret here. Uh, he was sitting on the Mount of Olives after he made that statement. They were all inquisitive. So, but they, they did depict and they understood these three particular happenings. When the temple is going to, when shall these things be, referring to what he was speaking, and then the sign of your coming. So they knew that he was going to be coming back, and the end of the age, or the end times, and 
And uh, okay, and uh, let's see. Uh, G, okay, let's. I think we we broke this down to eight. So let's just finish up those four verses, Pastor. Okay. Well, okay. In verse four, and Jesus answered and said to them, "See that no one misleads you or deceives you, mm -hmm. for many will come in my name, saying I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened." For these things must take place, but that is not uh, yet the end. Uh, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. And then uh, Jesus ties up everything, really basically from first four to this moment, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. The beginning. So this, uh, in, uh, I think we can kind of draw out things that are happening here. It says, so many, oh, first of all, his very first thing he says, is says, make sure nobody deceives you. Right. So there is yeah. that option that people can be deceived. Yes. And, uh, and since he's talking, somebody says, well, let's apply hermeneutics to it. Uh, somebody says, well, I mean, maybe he's just talking to Jewish people and the Jewish people are all deceived and we could jump over into, uh, you know, replacement theology in yeah, yeah. era. No, that's not who he's talking to. He's talking to these 12 who we would think of as an apostles. And they, these these are, this is the, Peter, James, John, and all the rest yes, of them. Okay? Yes, yes. They came to him privately. This is not a discussion uh, like the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, anyway, it's, this is, and notice what happens. It happens on the Mount of Olives. That, there's a lot of things that happen on the Mount of Olives. Yes, yeah, yes. That, that is a very important place. Yeah. Now, Pastor, could you not see, or could we not see the 12 disciples as the foundation of today's Christian church? Well, obviously, if we're going to pull in Paul's uh, theology on this, and, and of course he's not one of these twelve, but uh, he said, you know, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, yes. and, uh, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Jesus obviously knows that these twelve men, minus, minus Judas Iscariot, yeah. uh, they're going to uh, take the gospel after his death and resurrection and ascension, and they're going to be taking this with a commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, go into every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Yes. So this is the men that will carry that task out. Yes. And, of course, we know it starts in Jerusalem, and then it spreads out to Samaria. Judea, and then from Samaria, it goes westward, and that's why we're over here yep. in Georgetown, Texas, talking to you wherever you're right. at, because they obeyed the Yes, mission. they obeyed okay. it. So, okay, so he's speaking to the church, today's church. Okay. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now, <clears throat> how many people in uh, that particular phrase, I am the Christ, so many people have, uh, have we seen a lot of people come in, hey, I'm Jesus, or I'm Jesus, or what have you? Well, if we go back in history, 
ministry prior to Jesus coming on and you know declaring he was the Christ, mm -hmm. there had been candidates before that that had come up and said I'm the Messiah, and of course that led into a lot of problems. Yes. So uh, and of course we've had uh, we've had other people. I mean I'm, I'm thinking of one right now in in recent history. I say recent history. It happened I think in the seventies. Uh, Jim Jones, Jim Jones. Yeah. yeah, and, and uh, Guyana, that whole thing where yeah. they were following him at the People's Temple, went all the way out to Guyana, and they all drank poison Kool-Aid because uh, they thought he was the the Messiah yeah. of Christ. Yeah, in fact, I believe there was a uh, there was a representative or a senator. Yeah, a senator uh, was killed. Yeah, during that moment, yeah. because they came down in that third district. And better were concerned, and wow, that didn't work out too good. Yeah, so I mean, those are some of the extreme things along that line. Uh, I mean, you had the David Koresh issue, yeah. where he was a Messiah type. Yeah. Uh, so, so how, how, why were they deceived? Well, the first time that David Koresh wanted to have sex with your wife or your daughter, that should have woke you up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what was going on there. And... Uh, and uh, so don't don't punish the FBI too much, whether you agree or don't agree with how it was carried out. That had to be stopped. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so we have that. It says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, of course. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that um, wars and rumors of wars. We, we've had wars, what, World War One, World War II? Well, even prior uh, to that, I mean, everything. Korean War, to, yeah, Vietnam. That's, and that's, that's an American right, viewpoint of it. Yeah. But from the time he said it for 2,000 years, I mean, think of all the wars that have been fought. Yeah. I mean, think of, if you're, if, you're, if you're living in, say, Israel at this time, think about how many wars have been fought just for the Holy Land. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and so when you read that, it's easy to look at it and say, well, we've always had wars and rumors of wars. We've always had nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, even famine and earthquake. And so how would I look at that? Well, I would look at it as, as it escalates, like where he said lawlessness will increase. Yes. As wars and rumors of wars will escalate and become more common, more worldwide, and I do believe when you start talking about uh, World War One and World War Two, those were things that were like wars on a scale that no one had seen in the world at mm. that time. I mean, you stop and think about that. I mean, it's. I mean, there have been skirmishes and conflicts and all yeah. kinds of stuff. But on a scale of literally just tens of millions of people taken out. Yeah. Uh, the figures of uh, if I if I if I remember right, I think you have in World War One a little over a hundred million people yeah. killed. Um, and I think the the second war you have roughly. Two and a half times that amount. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you and, and that doesn't even count in World War Two. Uh, uh, Chairman uh, Chow, what, whatever his name was back then, um, I can't remember his name right now. It starts with an M. Uh, 
Uh, he's, he's credited with over a hundred million people in his own country yeah. that he killed during the World War II. Uh, Stalin killed roughly with his Persians. 40 million of his own people. And then Hitler, of course, Hitler, we know that. Was he, that well, not only did he kill a lot of the people yeah. in his country <clears throat> as far as those that opposed him in this, but he, he, he almost single-handedly exterminated a race of people, the Jewish people, with over six million of them. Yeah. I mean, World War II is the bloodiest conflict that we have ever known to this day. Yeah. And so when he says wars and rumors of wars, mm -hmm. when you see these things escalating, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, and so it's, well, we haven't had a major war since, uh, well, hold on. Be nice about yeah. this, but when we have well, I want to be nice. The man that's leading our country right now, who is challenged cognitively, that is not an insult or I'm not trying to make fun of him. And the administration that is handling world affairs there are things going on right now that if, if if I did not have faith in God and I did not believe we were living in the last days and believe that Jesus can come back at any moment, I might not sleep good at night. Yeah. And, uh, and so... You well, know, I'm going to tell so you what, those who are not in Christ, they they probably have some things to worry about. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of people are worried about Russia and Ukraine. I'm telling you right now, you might want to look at China. Yeah. And uh, the, China, there, there is Russia. issues here that mm -hmm. um, I just, I never thought I would ever the, see this. And uh, from a national look, yeah, uh, okay, so from a national look that you can look at it, and we, we are not be perceived as a uh, major power at this moment. And that, that can be, a, that can be a, a major problem here. Um, okay, and you know, Pastor, one thing I was going to ask you, we were talking about all this stuff. Do you think that we in America get a real, I don't know what do you want to call it, uh, you know, we got the blinders on, right? We can see it only from our standpoint when we look at some of these things. Like you were saying, wars and rumors of wars, we're only looking at it from uh, you, from here in America, when other countries are going through so much more. Well, let's say you were living in the Sudan during the, uh, well, the late 90s. Mm -hmm. Well, I said, like, no, what, what, from 92 to um, um, 96. And, um, and let's see, George uh, uh, Bush was, the first Bush was president during that time. Yeah. And uh, and what 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 did the the what happened in Sudan? They killed at least a million Christians. A million Christians in a ten-year period. We invaded Kuwait <coughs> because uh, of Saddam Hussein and what he did there. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 we did do some things even in some other places in Somalia which turned out to be a disaster. That happened right there at the switching of power between Bush and Clinton. Um, 
and I remember being puzzled at the time and thinking, you know, while I'm not, I'm not for, and, the, and I know this is a political statement, I am not for the United States being the policeman of the world. Mm -hmm. I think there are times where we have to get involved. I'm yeah, not saying yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but if there was ever a time to get involved, and by the way, I don't care if they were killing Muslims. Yeah. Murder's wrong. Yes, absolutely. On a scale like that. Yes. That is beyond, that's genocide on a scale. I mean, a million people. Yeah. Why didn't we do something to stop that? I was, I mean, I remember, I remember praying about it. I was, God, yeah. this has got to end. Yeah. And by the way, these are Christians. These, wow. A million. A million. I mean, if you weren't living in the time when Jesus said these things, you didn't have the capability of killing a million people. Mm. I mean, you don't have that technology. Yeah. It'd take you your whole lifetime to kill a million people. Okay. We can do it real quick now. Yeah. I well, mean, be, I mean, the most the bloodiest. Well, the the, the <laughs> bloodiest conflict this country's ever known. We killed roughly about almost not really. I just used a million in the Civil War. Yeah. And that's on both sides, the North and the South, and all the collateral damage. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know. And, and no one had ever done anything like that before. Mm -mm. No one had. The Revolutionary War didn't come anywhere near those numbers. Yeah. Um, and, and how do they do it? They're doing it primarily with black powder. Yeah. You know, and... Well, uh, during that time of the Civil War, didn't they come up with... They, they created the Gatlin. Well, yeah, they had some repeating yeah, things. They, they, but a lot of it's just really black powder. Uh, they have some repeating... Uh, technology that's come into being. I mean, really, that's that's where the era of the John Henry rifle starts taking. Yeah. That changed, that changed warfare right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a, a lever-action rifle. and uh, But, man, you can get all five to six shots, and some dude's over here trying to get, trying his, to get his one know, musket loaded. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying yeah. is that right there, with the ability of having repeating rifles and black powder, just the the level of repeating rifles and cannon technology, mm -hmm. we killed in a four-year period about a million people. A million people. That's the first time anything like that ever happened. Civil War here in the United States. Yeah. So when you say the Sudan, they did it in ten years. That's impressive because they didn't have this big equipment to work with. No. But they obviously had. Weapons yeah. that were but today, today we have bombs. Today we have nuclear, yeah. uh, you know, and, and weaponry is a big. I don't want to get kind of go off kilter, but uh, weaponry is a big business. Money, yeah. money, money, money. But anyway, but we we see that there are wars, rumors of wars. Uh, the terms here, nations rising against nations. We've seen that world war. One World War Two, kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines, people overseas starving. You know, yes. and the thing, like I said, we 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 really have the old uh, uh, blinders on here in the United States because we 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 got food and we got Taco Bell. You got all the sorts of stuff like that. You can buy cheap uh, cheap food to eat and 
and uh, but at the same time, there are people outside that are dying. There's famines. There's not uh, uh, people can't eat. Pestilences. You're talking about um, disease. Disease. COVID. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, and, and I think there's probably things in our future that we don't even know about that probably could come. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not to make anybody fear, but what I see in all of this is escalation. Escalation. Uh, you know, just the, the the sheer number of these things that happen. Let me, let me, you know, and I know we got to close because we really got about five minutes. Yeah. But, you know, if you live in the United States, and I realize that people watch this outside the United States, but if you live in the United States, let me say something to you right now. No matter whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you live in a, in a country that has been blessed, blessed, for one reason and one reason only. And I realize that this is going to cause people to, to maybe not believe this. There's a promise made to Abraham in chapter yes, 12. Yes, he said, all those who bless you I will bless. And all those who curse you I will curse. And because we have blessed Israel in the sense that we've been an ally as a country. Mm -hmm. What I mean, if you go back to 1948, look at the rise of prosperity in this nation. Oh, yeah. You can track it. In fact, you can track it in other countries, too. God has blessed us. Yes, he has. As bad as the economics were with the Great, I mean, the great Depression in this country, even, the, I think, the 1986 you know, thing with the stock market, mm -hmm. even with COVID and everything else like that, there ain't nobody starving in this country. No. Where people are still going out to eat. Yes. I went to a buffet today in Austin, and it's full. Oh, yeah. And we're over there eating at a buffet. We are blessed. We are blessed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But if we ever turn our back on Israel, if we ever try to divide Israel with its enemies, God will divide our land. Yes. And and I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I hope, I hope so, not. So I, you know, and I'm not saying, so when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, what are we really praying for? We're praying for the return of the Messiah. Yes. Yeah, that's what we're praying yes, we for. Are. Mm -hmm. And because uh, he's going to be the one that makes it all right. Yeah, he is. He is, and the, the, yes, he definitely is the one who will make it all right. So, okay. So we, we've taken a look at just this, even this one section here, and we're going to continue next week going through this, that, you know, we are beginning the, the escalation of things are showing that we are in the end times. Now, if somebody asks you, say, well, I don't know, are we in the end times? Well, they said it way back when that we were in the end times. Well, they never said how long the end times would span. No, they would not. I mean, the last days was proclaimed by Peter on the day of Pentecost when he quoted out of Joel 2. He said, in the last days I pour out my spirit on all flesh. Uh, there's uh, eschatology or end-time events that are spoken about throughout the New Testament, about the last days. And the point of it is, here we are 2,000 years later, but I will say this, that there are things as far as technology, there's things involved with the way the world is much smaller today because of the Internet yes. and travel and all the ways that we can just get from one part of the world to another that no one could have ever conceived of then. Yeah. Uh, 
and we are even with the, this uh, even this AI technology they're oh, working yeah. on. Uh, we've never lived in a time where biblical prophecy is being fulfilled right and left, and never could have if you look back on it. Never, we couldn't have had this in any other time mm -hmm. than this one. Yeah. Now, while saying that, could there be another hundred years at Coe's? Anything's possible. Yeah. But what I will say this, and I do believe Jesus, his return is imminent. Imminent. Yeah. To be, yes, absolutely. We're in the end times. I mean, again, I'm going to state that. You said, well, as a Christian, we can sleep well at night because we put our trust in our Savior. We put our trust in the Lord. Yet those who do not know Jesus, you have a lot to worry about, and you probably probably won't be able to sleep at night with what is coming, what we're seeing, and what is coming down the pike here. So we need to get ready. We need to get ready. I don't know if this, <laughs> I remember songs like that. Get ready. Jesus is coming. He is, and we're in the end time. So, uh, all righty. Well, Pastor, what we're going to do, I think, next week, we'll continue on here in Matthew 24. We're talking about the stage is being set. And when we're talking about the stage being set, the rapture could happen at any moment. If you're not right, if you're not following God, and if you're not following the Lord, you will be left. There's just no doubt about that. If you know Jesus, well, actually, we, we just have to make sure that we're right with God and we're following the Lord. And if you don't know the Bible, you really don't know and you're not certain about what you should or should not be doing. And that's why we uh, continue to say, you need to read your Bible. That's why we go through it. Alrighty, Pastor. Any other last thoughts before we pop uh, no. this week? And we'll be back next week. Alrighty. And, um, okay, yeah, you can go ahead and put the, you hear our uh, thing. we got a new timer in the back. It actually leaves us with one minute. <laughs> so, uh, Pastor, can you say a prayer uh, as yes. we go on? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we can deal with this issue of eschatology, this, this, uh, these uh, issues of end-time events. And, uh, and, Lord, as we go through this uh, chapter in Matthew 24, and Jesus addresses those two, three questions, and what we saw today, uh, Lord, help us to, uh, to uh, take this seriously. Mm. Uh, Lord, we see such an escalation of these events like no other time in history. Uh, this ought to cause us to do what you said. When you see all these things, lift up your head. Your redemption draws near. Mm -hmm. I believe you're coming back for your church. If there's anyone here today that is watching this and they don't know you, Jesus, they do not have that walk with you, I pray they'll call on you today. I pray that they will ask you to forgive them of their sins and to be their Savior, and they'll submit to your Lordship. If there's a believer today that maybe they, they just, they're not sure about what they think about all this, may they search the Scripture. May the Holy Spirit help them. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you again next week. Same time, well, hopefully same time.